You're listening to Packers Talk Network. PackersTalk.com Do you want to experience the thrill of a Packers game at Lambeau Field? If so, be sure to get your guaranteed authentic tickets from theticketking.com, a longtime trusted source and local Green Bay business. Just go to PackersTalk.com slash tickets for more information and ticket links. That's PackersTalk.com slash tickets. You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network, your home for in-depth and thoughtful Packers analysis. I'm your host, Gil Martin, my co-host, my good friend, Sean Tien. In addition to this show, I host Locked On NHL, and Sean was a TV sportscaster in Minnesota. We're here to talk Packers with a girl here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football. Sean, finally, finally, we get to talk a little bit about a win that the Green Bay Packers had. Feels so good to finally get that monkey off the back. It, it's been so long since we've talked about a victory, uh, and it's just it's nice where they ended their four-game losing streak. Yeah, the L.A. Rams, they may not have had Matthew Stafford, but like many coaches say, it's very cliche, never apologize for winning in the NFL. You never apologize for that. Yeah, and you got to beat the, the teams that are on your schedule. So you take it. For a young team like this, you, you have to hope – that this is one of those things that builds a little confidence and, and makes them understand some of the things they need to do in order to win in this league. I, I think one of the biggest impressions I had from that game on Sunday was that this team made progress. We've talked about it. It's a young team. It's the youngest team in the NFL, and they made progress. They had seven points in the first half. They scored a touchdown. That was the first time they scored more than three points in the first half since week two, and that was back yeah. in mid-September. I mean, that's progress. It, it was still only seven points, but that's progress. They had two first downs on that first offensive drive. Uh, or I'm sorry, two first downs on the first offensive drive on Sunday, nine first downs in the first half. One week earlier against Minnesota, the Packers' offense didn't have a first down until late in the first half. They had th- their first four drives were all three and outs. Instant progress right away, Gil. And it probably should have been more than nine first, da- nine first downs just because of those weird offensive offsides penalties where you see the Philadelphia Eagles get away with it on the tush push all the time, yet they, they hammer Green Bay. It's kind of like the NCAA. It's like, did you hear they were mad at UTEP so, or mad at Kentucky, so they punished UTEP? Yeah. You know, it, it's kind of like the NFL's mad at the Eagles, so they're going to punish the Packers, which it just didn't make sense. But I digress. And I, I, progress was the big thing for me, though, from that win against L.A. Yeah, no, it was good to see. And, and, you know, the other thing I liked was that uh, the progress featured a lot of the younger players, a lot of the rookies stepping up and making plays. And I I liked seeing Jordan Love, A, have time to throw the football, and B, you could see on some of those plays, first read, not open, second read, not open, oh, third read, boom. Mm. And he took those five- and six-yard passes when the longer throws weren't there. And, you know, a couple of times he still held the ball a little longer than we'd like, but Mm -hmm. it's a learning process, and I think we're seeing more of, you know, some steps forward from Jordan Love and just so many rookies stepped up in this game. Yeah, and we talk about where, again, 
the Packers, they're the youngest team in football. Everyone knows that who follows the Packers. This is the youngest team in football since the 2017 Browns. That team went 0-15-1. You know, so three wins for a, a team as young as this is is very, very good at this stage right now. Where And it wasn't just the young guys. It was the youngest of the young guys, the rookies who absolutely balled out. Luke Musgrave had his first career NFL touchdown. Carl Brooks, Colby Wood, and Lucas Van Ness were in the backfield constantly against the Rams. Three rookie D linemen who it looks like there's a lot of promise and potential in that group moving forward. Carrington Valentine, who uh, is now now the starter because Rasul Douglas is in Buffalo on the on the potentially greener pastures. He didn't allow a completion at all when he was the closest defender. It was just really, really outstanding. Anthony Johnson Jr. had his first career NFL interception. It was just it was awesome to see that where just everywhere, both sides of the ball just took a huge step forward. And again, Rams team, no Matthew Stafford, doesn't matter. It's still an NFL team. Like you said, they're on the schedule. You got to play them. And they did what they had to do. And I really also was pleased to see Sean Ryan finally get some offensive plays. And who does he have to block in his first game as an offensive lineman? Aaron Donald. And he, he did a very good job. Now, it was all running plays, but he did a great job blocking for the run and, you know, pushing Aaron Donald back and out of the way to clear the way for Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. That was the touchdown drive. What what he was blocking for was the touchdown drive, and Ryan may be the best run-blocking interior lineman that the Packers have. His pass protection still needs a little work on the technique, but it was encouraging to see him go out there and play well. Speaking out for my uh, fellow Sean's in support of my fellow Sean's, you know, Sean, <laughs> Sean, Ryan, hey, he, that was his first regular season snaps in his NFL career. And, and, and people are already labeling this guy as another third round draft pick who was who going to be a bust, who was selected by Brian Goodigans. But he, he showed in that one drive, he came in on Sunday for John Runyon Jr. who left briefly with an injury. Hey, this, this guy can play. This guy can hang. He's not intimidated by the moment. And, he definitely looks like an upgrade from Royce Newman as a backup guard, and that's got to be really pleasing to see if you're the Packers coaches, if you're a member of the front office, uh, if you're Brian Gudikins, whatever it may be. Uh, Sean Ryan was outstanding, and that's a hey, one drive and you score one touchdown. That's pretty efficient, Gil. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's absolutely. pretty good. And look, it, it was what seven plays. I'm not going to sit here and say he's you know the the next All Pro offensive lineman, but. Like you said, people were writing him off. He had, a, you know, a Murphy's Law kind of a rookie season where mm-hmm. he looked lost. He didn't seem to be picking up the offense, couldn't get on the field, played one snap in one game on special teams last year, and that was it. Then gets suspended for violating the uh, PED policy. Like, the only thing that could have been worse would have been if he suffered a serious injury and yet he comes back, looks good in preseason, and then gets his chance. And, you know, when it comes to why, my big question is, why did it take this long for him to pass Royce Newman on the depth chart? Mm. It is so frustrating that the coaching staff just seems very slow and reluctant to make changes when one player is just clearly better than another. And, and I was going to get touch on that, too, where – this has happened multiple times. Uh, you go back, you go back to the 2020, 
one playoffs, the, the loss against San Francisco where they played Billy Turner at left tackle instead of Yash Nyman. And Yash Nyman had familiarity going against Nick Bosa and that, and that 49ers front. The Packers lose that game. They couldn't really protect Aaron Rodgers very well. And it's just, a, and then you see Yash Nyman now who seemed to be in the doghouse for a while who looks like he's better than Rasheed Walker at left tackle. And, and now you see Sean Ryan, the small sample size. He's clearly better than Royce Newman, like you said. He's he's clearly better. And I, I understand if you're a coach and you want you have faith in guys and you want to see you, you want to give these guys chances. But this is the pros. If you can't, if you're not performing, someone is ready to take your job. These are these guys are all paid. They're yeah. all paid to play football. They're all good enough to be at this level. So if you're not producing, someone else has got to go in there. And it's just so I understand not being impatient, but you got to understand this is pro football. This isn't, this isn't high school. This isn't college. Like these guys got to earn their stripes. And if they don't earn them, someone else is going to come in and take it. Yeah. And, and, you know, one more very big example that clearly hindered the team going back a year ago, Amari Rogers and Keyshawn Nixon. What mm-hmm. took so long? That was definitely draft status. It had to be, it had to be, yeah. be draft So, but Sean Ryan, it's good to see that. There is something there you can work with. And uh, just segueing into the Packers injury report, uh, there was a chance possibly that we could see Ryan play on Sunday in their upcoming game against the 5-3 and three Pittsburgh Steelers in the Steel City. Uh, but John Runyon Jr., uh, he didn't practice on Wednesday, the starting right guard, with a neck injury. Uh, per multiple Packers beat writers, though, uh, we're recording this on Thursday afternoon. Uh, Packers official injury report hasn't come out for Thursday, but per Ryan Wood, Rob Domofsky, Matt Schneidman, Bill Huber, they all have boots on the ground. They said that Runyon did return to practice. Uh, we talked about Yash Nyman. He left Sunday's game with a back injury. Rasheed Walker came in to fill in at left tackle to finish that game against the Rams. He didn't practice on Wednesday, but he returned to practice on Thursday as well. Uh, something a little concerning though, Quay Walker, he missed the game on Sunday against the Rams with a groin injury that popped up during practice last week. He hasn't practiced on Wednesday. He didn't practice again Thursday. And Jair Alexander, the, the back injury, he's, he seems to be okay from that, but he hasn't practiced Wednesday and now Thursday because of a shoulder injury, Gil. So it's just Murphy's Law kind of with Jair Alexander as well. We, we, Sean Ryan had the Murphy's Law. Now he's kind of passed it on to Jair Alexander, it seems like. Yeah, and boy, to, to potentially have a few offensive linemen missing, and we'll get to this when we hit our matchups, but this is not the week you want to have offensive linemen not available and, and in the lineup. So definitely some areas of concern there. Yeah, and you hope that the Packers offensive line is healthy enough to go against that Steelers defense. Just another few Injuries, uh, just to report real quick, Rudy Ford had a calf injury that popped up last week during practice. He didn't play in that win against the Rams on Sunday, hence why Anthony Johnson Jr. got his first career NFL start and interception. Uh, but uh, he has practiced, though, this week. Kenny Clark left that Rams game with a shoulder injury. He's been practicing this week. That's a very, very good sign for the Packers. Elton Jenkins, Aaron Jones, they've been limited participants this week. Uh, Elton Jenkins still working through that knee injury. Aaron Jones, as we know, has been working through that hamstring injury. But the Steelers coming up, the 5-3 and three Steelers. Uh, last week, they beat the Tennessee Titans at home in a grinding victory, 20-16. to 16. Uh, Safety Minka Fitzpatrick did not play in that game. Tight end Pat Fryermuth, he has a hamstring injury. He's currently on IR. He can't return from the injured reserve until week 11. 
as well as starting linebacker and leading tackler Cole Holcomb. He got hurt in that game against Tennessee with a brutal knee injury suffered against the Titans. If you have a weak stomach, don't look up the Cole Holcomb injury. That's all I'm going to say. It was pretty, pretty horrible. Uh, But hence, going forward with the Steelers injury report this week, Fitzpatrick hasn't practiced as of Wednesday. Former Packer great defensive tackle Montrevious Adams, he didn't practice on Wednesday with an ankle injury. And then uh, notable limited participants for the Steelers on Wednesday, Landon Roberts, uh, the linebacker with a knee injury, and defensive tackle and stud defensive tackle Cam Hayward with a groin injury. Gil's wearing a Michigan sweatshirt right now. Cam Hayward, Ohio State legend. So I just got to <laughs> mention that real quick. <laughs> oh, and one other thing from the Packers injury report that is important, Christian Watson, who left the game possibly in concussion protocol, he's out of concussion protocol, Hurt his back. He was a full participant in practice on Wednesday, so hopefully he'll be ready to go on Sunday against Pittsburgh. And, and see the Christian Watson when he when Christian Watson left after that big catch against the Rams, he had what they called like a back or a shoulder, a chest, and a concussion, and he left the game. And someone pulled up a clip on on uh, Twitter or X. And it said Brett Favre had like ten different injuries right. and he was probable for the game. So that's just, and uh, that was, yeah, and he played yeah because Favre played through everything. It's just yeah. they didn't really Favre didn't care. He just wanted to go out there and throw. But uh, breaking down some matchups though coming up: Packers, Steelers. Uh, first off, the Packers mm-hmm. offense, the Steelers defense. Packers are twenty fourth in total offense. They're twenty second in passing, twenty second in rushing, twentieth in scoring. Pretty much below average. The Steelers defense. 31st overall, 25th in passing, 29th in rushing, 13th in scoring. And that's kind of surprising because they definitely have one of the best field tilters, one of the best players in the game on that defense. And, Gil, I'm just kind of segueing to that where this is probably the matchup that we should be watching on Sunday. What What is your matchup for this Packers offense against the Steelers defense? Well, the, the first thing that jumps out in my mind is that you know, the Steelers' defense, you look at the numbers, they are a big play defense because yes, they, they create turnovers and sacks. They are eighth in the league in sacks with 26. And you got to remember, some teams have played more games than the Steelers who have already had uh, their bye week. Uh, and then they are also eighth in the league in interceptions. There are plus eight in turnovers. Mm -hmm. So that's how you get a defense that is 31st or next to last in the league in yards allowed, but in the top half, 13th in points allowed. So uh, the pass rush for the Steelers is vital. We talked about some of the injuries along the Packers' offensive line. T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith, and don't overlook Highsmith as much as Watt gets all the attention. These two guys coming off the edge, if they're in Jordan Love's face all game long, the Packers are in trouble. And I was going to say where Alex Highsmith is so good, T.J. Watt is phenomenal, and he overshadows Alex Highsmith with good reason, obviously. Alex Alex Highsmith is not a slouch on the other side. The Steelers have had a lot of good edge rushers come through the last few years. That's just the way they've always been as as a unit. But they were able to let some guys go like a Bud Dupree go because of Alex Highsmith. Uh, T.J. Watt, though, that is the matchup, though. It's not just the Packers' offensive line against T.J. Watt. It is the Packers' offense against yes. T.J. Watt. That dude is an absolute game wrecker. He's everywhere. Entering Week 10, he's got nine and a half sacks. That's tied for second in the league 
eight tackles for loss. He has defended six passes. That is tied for first amongst edge rushers. Six passes. That's more than a lot of defensive backs in the NFL right now. That is just an outstanding number. Uh, he's tied for the team lead with two forced fumbles. He leads the team with three fumble recoveries. He is literally everywhere around that football. And, and he's intercepted a pass. Yeah, and he's intercepted a pass. He's just he, he is absolutely unbelievable. You have to know where he is at all times. And the Packers got a good steady dose of Max Crosby. And whatever game plan they had against Max Crosby when they played the Raiders on Monday Night Football about a month ago, scrap that. Just yeah. totally change. You got You got to totally change that game plan. But they did a much better job against Aaron Donald last week. Yes, which they is did. At least encouraging. And look, if I'm the Steelers' defensive coordinator, T.J. Watt typically is your left edge. That means he's up against Zach Tom. Mm-hmm. I'm not putting him there all that often because Zach Tom is the Packers' best offensive lineman right now, both pass and run blocking. I am moving T.J. Watt around, whether it's Rasheed Walker or Yash Nyman, or trying to penetrate and do some stunts and get T.J. Watt coming in to the inside against Josh Myers and and John Runyon and and Elton Jenkins. I am moving T.J. Watt around to take advantage of whatever matchups I can get. And if I'm Matt LaFleur, I'm throwing screens, I'm throwing three-step drops, I am doing a lot of things, rollouts away from T.J. Watt, I am setting things up to make it easier for Jordan Love to get rid of the ball quickly and don't be afraid to take those four or five yard short little passes that pick up yards rather than the trying to get 30 yards in one shot and losing nine yards on a sack. And the big question is for Green Bay is who's going to start at left tackle on Sunday, where if Yashheim is healthy, it appears he's going to be the starting left tackle. The last time these two teams met was at Lambeau Field in 2021, and Nyman was the starting left tackle. Watt had four tackles and two sacks. He recovered a fumble. He didn't really seem to take over the game, though. I remember one of the sacks, Aaron Rodgers was trying to run out of the pocket, and he just kind of grabbed him by the shoestrings. And I believe another one of his sacks, I think he tripped Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Too. I, I think he stuck his leg out. So it, it was kind of BS. The sacks were, they, they it wasn't, Yash Nyman held his own. That's the, that's the point I want to get. And who knows how he's going to be in round two. I don't want to take a chance with Rasheed Walker because Yash Nyman has experience playing against a TJ Watt. It, it was only two years ago. And Yash Nyman is familiar with TJ Watt. That's the biggest thing, especially for a young group like Green Bay has. You want some familiarity along that front. Uh, and now just going away from that, though, where uh, you, you know what T.J. Watt can do for the Pittsburgh Steelers, but the Steelers' offense and the Packers' defense. Now, these are these are two interesting units. Uh, the Packers, uh, they're 11th in total defense. They've jumped from 21st to 11th in total defense in a matter of a week after playing that Rams team that didn't have Matthew Stafford. They're 9th in passing, 23rd in rushing. 10th in scoring. The Steelers' offense, they're 29th overall, 25th in passing, 25th in rushing, and 29th in scoring. Gil, what's your matchup to watch between the Steelers' offense and the Packers' defense? Wow. Uh, You know what? To me, the important thing is going to be slowing down Pittsburgh's running game. It's not great, but I want to make this team one-dimensional. I want Kenny Pickett to have to throw to win this football game. And, I mean, Pickett is very much like a mirror image of Jordan Love in that he's inexperienced, clearly talented, 
but not yet a guy who can typically carry a team to win games that they don't deserve to win. I want to put all the pressure on Kenny Pickett. I want to, I want to get pressure on the quarterback and put him in must pass situations. I think this is a big, big game for Rashawn Gary on Sunday. And going off of that, Gil, where this seems like the kind of offense you could load the box against to stop the run and force them to pass. Kenny Pickett, I, like you said, I think he does have some talent. I think people are higher on him more than I am. Uh, I just, I don't know if I see it really with Kenny Pickett, but maybe I'll be wrong one day and who knows? Cause I'm usually wrong about most stuff, but, uh, <laughs> but, but with Kenny Pickett, he's not someone who's just going to will a team to victory. He's no. not going to will this team to victory. You got to load the box on, on the defense in the linebacker group. Just, just load up and make him throw the ball. Your DBs are good enough to hang with these receivers as well, in my opinion. But the matchup I'm looking forward to watching, it's the two coordinators of these units. Steelers offensive coordinator Matt Canada and Packers defensive coordinator Joe Barry, two coordinators who are certainly under fire, have been have been the face of criticism for a while now, where Matt Canada's offenses are just always getting in the way of this Steelers team from making any noise and and Packers defensive coordinator Joe Barry has been under fire for having so many resources invested in this unit and not being able to do as much as you think he'd be able to do with this so who's going to win the chess match between these two coordinators and whoever does is going to secures their job a little more whoever doesn't is going to be a little more under fire right now uh you said Rashawn Gary uh, how he could have a big game. He hasn't recorded a sack in about a month. His last sack was in that Vegas game on October 9th. Tanya Gill, Rashawn Gary is due for a big day on Sunday. He really is. And he got so close to having a big day on Sunday against the Rams, too. Well, he got a lot of pressures. He didn't get any sacks. But he was he was a force in the backfield. And, yeah, yeah. I think this is a big game. Look, Pittsburgh has had their quarterback sacked 19 times right now. In eight games, they are not an outstanding offensive line and pass pro, and you gotta consider they're not a pass happy team either. And one other little twist on this, these two teams are among the two worst first half offenses yeah. in the NFL. If there is a 0-0 score at halftime, I would not be that surprised. Both of these teams are better in the second half. Uh, the Steelers in particular in the fourth quarter, and I think for the Packers, having a, a lead, maybe even a double-digit lead before that fourth quarter starts would be a huge, huge factor for this team in this game. Highlights, and I say that in quotes, highlights of the first half possibly in this game on Sunday are going to be backtracked by the entertainer playing on the piano. I'm telling you, that, that's the potential. Of the, that's the potential of how ugly this could be on Sunday from the Steel City. But another interesting factor to keep note of, Gil, wide receiver George Pickens, second-year receiver who a lot of Packer fans really wanted in the 2022 draft. The Packers instead drafted Christian Watson. They got Romeo Dobbs later. George Pickens only had two catches for a negative one yard in that win against the Titans on uh, Thursday Night Football last week. And he went to social media. He was venting on social media, on Instagram. He deleted it quickly. He's disgruntled. And that's something where are the Steelers going to try to feed him a lot early? Or are they just essentially going to be like, screw you. We're going to go to Deontay Johnson in the passing game. We're not even going to look at you. Is he going to be phased out of the offense? Because – 
there's clearly something going on there on with Pickens and the offense, and there's clearly some issues right now where it's a matter of what's what's going to happen. And it's so we could either have no George Pickens on Sunday or a lot of George Pickens on Sunday. I think it's going to be one or the other. Yeah, not not going to be in the middle most likely. And look, even with those terrible numbers from the last game against Tennessee. He's averaging 17.4 yards a catch. So this is a guy who can get yeah. deep, and it will be a challenge. You, you want Jair Alexander in the lineup if you can help mm-hmm. it, for sure. And uh, Carrington Valentine, who looked so good last week, it would be a heck of a test for him to try to keep up with George Pickens if uh, he is a big part of the game plan. And, you know, Mike Tomlin is not the kind of guy who takes a lot of BS from his players. No, he doesn't. So it'll be interesting to see how Tomlin approaches Pickens and the game plan coming up this Sunday. And that's what makes Tomlin one of the best coaches. I'm not a Steelers fan, but I respect the hell out of that guy. I think he's just an awesome – He's an awesome coach. The guy, he's never coached a losing team in Pittsburgh. That is unbelievable. And Pittsburgh doesn't fire coaches, but, man, the, the guy has no – there's no reason for him to ever get fired from that job. He's just an awesome coach. So he, seeing how he handles this situation, he's dealt with Antonio Browns, and he dealt with Chase Claypool. He's dealt with high-drama guys before. George Pickens is definitely falling right in line with that. But just a few facts and figures to make note of. Gil, you mentioned the turnover ratio. The Steelers are plus eight this year. 16 takeaways on defense, eight giveaways on offense. Uh, the plus eight ratio tied for third in the league. The Packers are minus two overall. They have eight takeaways on defense, 10 giveaways on offense. Penalties. This is a, a, a big factor for the Packers. It's just constantly, constant penalties that happen again on Sunday. Packers are tied for the most penalties on offense this year. 11th fewest on defense, where the Steelers, fifth fewest uh, penalties on offense. They don't get behind the chains very often because of penalties. That's a big reason why the Steelers are able to manufacture some kind of progress on offense. But they're tied for the 13th most penalties on defense. Aggressive unit, sometimes a little bit too aggressive. So that's mm-hmm. something where well, something's got to give. Who's going to have more penalties on Sunday, the Packers offense or the Steelers defense. We we don't know though. You know, it's like that's something that could be very interesting. And then third downs, the Steelers, they are converting on just under 37% of their third down conversions on offense. That's 21st in the league. They're giving up 40% of their third down tries on defense as first downs, uh 19th overall in the league. Packers, they are just under 42% on third down conversions on offense, which is wild to think. That's tied for 10th in the league. And on defense, they are allowing opponents to convert just under 39% of their third down conversions uh, on defense, 15th overall in the league. So what what jumps out about those numbers? I mean, I, I mentioned the penalties where if the Packers clean it up, then again, you can say if the Steelers clean it up on defense, right. the Packers clean it up on offense, it could be a very different game than what we've seen from both these teams on Sunday. Yeah, and, you know, getting out of your own way, especially for a young team, is a big deal. To me, you know, penalties and turnovers are going to be major factors in this game. And winning the turnover battle, or even just staying even in the turnover battle, if the Packers can do that, I think they can win. And, Gil, a few more reasons. Green Bay wins. Give me a a few reasons why Green Bay wins on Sunday. Turnover battle, and one thing we haven't really talked about to me, Aaron Jones. I think he has to be yeah. a big factor in this game. 
Steelers' running defense is 29th in the league. They're giving up 133.1 yards per game. Fast fact, Aaron Jones has been fully healthy for two games this year where he wasn't on a play count, and the Packers are 2-0 in those games where Chicago and then last week against the Rams. I want to make sure that Aaron Jones gets 20 or more touches. It doesn't all have to be runs. In this game, I think a, a mixture of Jones and Dylan and maybe even a few Emmanuel Wilson carries I think the Packers can also minimize the impact of the Pittsburgh pass rush by running the football effectively, and they're going to have to do that. In all of the time since Matt LaFleur took over as Packers head coach, if Aaron Jones gets 20 or more touches, the Packers have lost one game. I believe it's 14-1. and one. I have to double-check that number. But they have only lost once if Aaron Jones gets 20 or more touches since LaFleur took over in 2019. Feed Aaron Jones, you win the game. That, it's that simple. And, and he had 20 touches, 20 carries against the Rams on Sunday. He scored a touchdown. The Packers offense just looked like a completely different operation, really, on Sunday in that win over the Rams. But why Green Bay wins on my part, the offense, they continue to show more progress. They ride that momentum train from the win over the Rams. They take care of the football, and they start fast. Get this team in a hole early, and you start fast. T.J. Watt, you go away from him. You you throw screens in his direction. Whatever you do, make sure he is not a factor. If he's not a factor, Green Bay wins this game easily. And the defense. The defense has an opportunity to ball out once again for the second straight week against an offense that is not very good in in the uh, in the ranks of the NFL. This is not a very good offense. The defense has an opportunity to really dominate this game and dominate this phase. Uh, Gil, a few reasons why Green Bay loses on Sunday. Well, I would go back to turnovers, and the, the the other thing is, if Kenny Pickett has time to throw, I think he will be effective enough uh, to beat this young team. And I think the other thing is consistency. You know, we've been talking a lot on this podcast about this team needs to show progress, and they do. This is, like you said, youngest roster in the league, but we all know progress is not linear. That, you know, progress doesn't mean... Week 8, you do, you play 75 out of 100. Week 9, you play 78, then 82. Sometimes you take a step back to take two steps forward. The progress has to continue or this team is not going to win. And if Green Bay loses, it's going to be because T.J. Watt, Alex Smith, Highsmith are just too much for the Packers' offensive line, the Packers' offense in general. Joe Barry just plays vanilla schemes against uh, a Steelers offense that isn't very complex, it appears, and uh, loses that battle of underfire coordinators against Matt Canada of the Steelers. And then the Packers, they can't control the football on offense. They can't right. take away the ball on defense. And the Steelers' aggressive defense just takes over in this game. That's going to be the reasons why Green Bay loses on Sunday. Uh, Gil, what is your prediction for Sunday's game in Pittsburgh? I think it's just low scoring. I think it's going to be very close. I think it's going to go down to the wire. Uh, Packers have not won in Pittsburgh since 1970 when Bart Starr was the coach on a snowy day at Three Rivers Stadium. Uh, to me, uh, this one is going to be 17-14 Pittsburgh. And I'm with you on that where 
Low scoring game. It just has the makings of just a game coming down to the wire. That's how Pittsburgh, that, that's how Pittsburgh plays. That's how they thrive. They thrive in those close games. And Green Bay, will their offense figure out a way to win in the end if they, if it is a tight game like that and it comes down to a final drive by Jordan Love and the offense to get a win or to get a tie, whatever it may be. Uh, my prediction though for Sunday, I think the Steelers do win. I think they win 16 to 10. I think we see two touchdowns. And what is that? Four total field goals. That's just the way I see it. It's just, I think it's going to be a a defensive battle. It's going to be a tight game, but the Packers are just going to come out on the short end of the stick. And I'm going to keep picking against the Packers. I picked against them last week. I'm going to keep picking against them. I hope they prove me wrong. And I hope they prove you wrong too, Gil. Hopefully they get a W. But Gil, before we get to some trivia and before we wrap up, uh, what articles do you have coming up online for the Packers Post and for Cheesehead TV? Well, uh, for the Packers Post, I did a little um, mid-season awards thing. Who was the MVP of the first half, the most disappointing player? Uh, you know, basically broke all of that stuff down since we are eight games into a 17-game schedule. Did a nice little piece on uh, Cheesehead TV about Isaiah McDuffie, uh, who mm-hmm. quietly is now fourth on the team in tackles despite yeah. only starting four of the eight games, filling in for either uh, Quay Walker, uh, or Devondre Campbell. So I, I like what I've seen from McDuffie over the course of this year, and quietly he's improved. I'll also preview this game in depth, and uh, we'll, we'll be ready. We'll be ready. A true mid-season report, Gil. Publish it halftime of the half Steelers Packers game. On Sunday. <laughs> Eight and a half games in, literally right at the mid-season point. So, but that would be usually it's like, hey, watch the game, digest the game, and then talk about the game after and before. But during Packer games, it's it's hard to keep your eyes off of the game. It really is. But it is. Uh, Gil, are you ready for some trivia? Let's do it. All right. Well, you did mention how long it's been since the Packers won a game against the Steelers in Pittsburgh. Last time they won at Pittsburgh, December of 1970. They beat the Steelers 20-12. to And since that win, the Packers have lost five consecutive games in Pittsburgh. But the most important game between these two teams wasn't playing Pittsburgh or Green Bay. It was playing Dallas on February 6, 2011, where the Packers beat the Steelers in Super Bowl 45, 31-25. I was in Whitewater, Wisconsin, celebrating with my friends, watching nervously as the Packers won a Super Bowl, and the confetti came down at Jerry World. But there are no players from either of those championship teams who are still on their respective rosters today. But there are a few players who are current Steelers and or Packers who have at least one Super Bowl ring in their jewelry collection. How many total players from these rosters, including active, injured reserve, and practice squad members, no coaches, have been a part of a Super Bowl winning team in their careers? Is it A, 3, B, 4, or C, 5? 3. It is actually five total players, Ooh. but can you name the three players, or can you name two, at least one of those three players? Ah, boy, can I name at least one? Uh, I'll give you a hint. There are three in Green Bay and two in Pittsburgh. Okay. Uh, boy. Patrick Peterson doesn't have one, does he? He does He does not, no. He played with Arizona and Minnesota. He's never played in a Super Bowl. Right, right. Packers with Super Bowl. It's hard to think when you're on the spot. I get it. It is. You know? it, it is not easy to think when you're on the spot. Uh... Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> 
Um, let's see. No, I, I, uh, Preston Smith has one, yes? No, he, no, he does not. No, he does not. Because he played Washington before coming to Green Bay. It's a hard one. This this isn't easy. So I'll, I'll let you know. Three players from Green Bay. Backup safety, Zane Anderson was a member of the Super Bowl champion Chiefs last season. We've barely seen Zane Anderson play in a Packer uniform. He's played some special teams. I'll give you that. Long snapper Matt Orzik was on the Rams Super Bowl team a few years ago, as well as recently signed backup cornerback Robert Rochelle. He was a rookie on that Rams team that beat Cincinnati in dramatic fashion a couple years ago in Hollywood. Really, really obscure players. I, I, it's, it's hard to really, it would have been hard for anyone to diagnose that. I'm telling you. And then for the Steelers, two players on their current roster with Super Bowl rings. Offensive guard Isaac Suamalo won a Super Bowl with the Eagles in 2017. And Landon Roberts, linebacker for the Steelers, won two Super Bowls with the New England Patriots in 2016 and 2018. So five total players, six total Super Bowl rings between these two teams. Yeah, that's all I got. (laughs) No, that's that's impressive. Uh, Did not – I don't know how many people could have gotten that. That that was a tough one. That yeah, I even I even had to research it too. I'm like, I don't I don't know who you know. So and I I had the benefit of research on my side. I only ask the questions. I prep the questions. You have to answer it on the spot. It's very hard being in your seat over there in Long Island. But anyways, the Packers travel to Pittsburgh to play the five and three Steelers on Sunday. Steelers are in a three way tie for second place in their own division. Kickoff from the Steel City, scheduled for noon Central Time, 1 o'clock Eastern Time in Long Island, specifically. Uh, Packers looking to start a winning streak and advance to 4-5. And, and hey, hopefully they could snap that 53, 53-year curse in Pittsburgh and, and get a W in the Steel City. I'd love to see it. I mean, Bart Starr was the quarterback in that game uh, that they were able to win. And uh, I think it was either Terry Bradshaw and I think Terry Hanratty also played in that game back in 1970. It was an absolute icy, slick surface. Uh, hopefully, we end this ridiculous slump. And, and Pittsburgh, I wish they were still Heinz Field because if the Packers win on Sunday, I, I would imagine they'd celebrate with ketchup showers, you know, so it, <laughs> or, or ketchup celebration. Who knows? A lot, a lot of ketchup. But now it's Acrisure, so I don't know how you could celebrate at Acrisure Stadium. I don't even know what Acrisure is. I'm not sure what Acrisure is. <laughs> you and me both. Yeah. You and me both. Well, yeah, we're gonna do a quick Google search after this. <laughs> that's right. Well, hopefully we do get uh, our first winning streak of the season. That would be a very nice thing to have happen and of course we'll be back next week to talk all about it and set us ourselves up for the next game and the schedule gets harder for the Packers from here on in well that's it for today we'll be right back here next week follow us on Twitter at Gil Packers and at GB Packers Sean to stay up to date on all things Packers or to ask us questions or you can email us at gbpackershawn at gmail.com Make sure you're subscribed to Packers Talk on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And a big thank to PackersTalk.com for powering our show. Thank you for listening. Until next time, Go Pack Go! Go Pack Go!